Welcome to the Bill Kelly Podcast. I'm Bill Kelly. Is an extension to the bike lanes what Hamilton needs along Hunter Street? We'll chat with John Paul Danko from Ward 8 and get his views on that. The arena debate still has not been settled. Lime Ridge Mall, downtown, or maybe no arena at all. Well, find out next steps on the program today. And Morgan Firestone Arena is playing host to Hyundai Hockey Drivers this Sunday. The mother of uh, Toronto Maple Leafs, Mitch Marner, is going to be there speaking about what it's like to raise a future pro athlete and the hard work that goes into getting those kids to that level. The Bill Kelly Podcast starts now. Today on The Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Well, some people described it as a surreal experience, and that was the debate yesterday uh, at Public Works about uh, the installation of bike lanes on Hunter Street in downtown Hamilton, uh, particularly around the GO station. And uh, there are some, some concerns and rather some rather bizarre statements made by some of the councillors. Uh, the, the motion actually to move forward on this project was actually uh, stalled. It was defeated, uh, which su- surprised an awful lot of people, uh, including our next guest. He is uh, Ward 8 Councillor John Paul Danko uh, from uh, Hamilton City Council. He joins us here on the Bill Kelly Show to uh, give us his perspective on this. Uh, John Paul, thanks so much for the time. Good to have you with us today. Morning, Bill. Happy New Year. And so, to you, too. Uh, An arena, LRT, and cycling. So yeah, no, no controversy <laughs> around. Just another day in paradise, right? Exactly. What What happened yesterday? I mean, a lot of people thought this was going to be a slam dunk. This is something that has been on the books and proposed for quite some time right now. And a lot of uh, people that are uh, cycling enthusiasts uh, are basically wondering why it took so long to get this. Were you surprised by the result of the vote yesterday? I was uh, very surprised. It's like we went back 25 years um, to have a discussion about the first bike lane that we've ever put in. It was quite uh, truly bizarre. Um, what happened was there's there's two reports that came to Public Works Committee yesterday. The first one was an overall report on all of the cycling infrastructure that we have installed as a city in 2019 and a projection for projects that are on the books for 2020 so that uh, we could get a report card of where we're investing and where some of the gaps are. And then the second report that came was, it was just an information report for um, a continuation of the cycling track on Hunter Street. So that's between McNabb and Caroline. So right in front of the uh, the Hunter Street GO station right now, there's no cycling infrastructure. It's uh, a gap in the c- continuity of the Hunter Street bike track. So it's it's one of the biggest priorities for cycling, uh, the cycling community, is to get uh, the east and west ends of that cycling infrastructure connected so that there's a continuous track. It connects to the GO station um, so that people that are choosing to cycle as their modal split um, can access GO Transit by riding their bike there. And this was something that was approved by council, the previous council actually, back in uh, 2018. And uh, so it was already funded. It's primarily funded by provincial dollars, so it's not even a a city Hamilton expense. Uh, So this is just implementation. Staff came with an information report to to show us, to show council um, what the plan was, and uh, things just kind of snowballed from there. And, um, you know, it went from, you know, pretty legitimate issues about what was being proposed and how it would work, Um, you know, concerns about people with mobility issues, how they would access the GO train, um, which were totally legitimate concerns that a, that a number of councillors had. But then it just kind of shifted into this, you know, wackadoodle discussion about cycling infrastructure in general that was, uh, you know, it, it really felt um, 
that we have not made any progress in the last 25 years, and it was really disappointing. Well, i, I got to ask you, because I obviously just got back after some holidays, and I haven't read the city report that, that you guys were dealing with yesterday. Uh, these are usually, of course, on the city website. Uh, did they mention statistics at all about the usage of bike lanes here? Could they get into some numbers? Because I know one of your colleagues came up with some rather bizarre numbers as to how many people are actually using these things. Well, I believe the the statistics, and we've seen a, a few recently, is there's there's tens of thousands of people that choose to use cycling as their mode of transportation. Um, but what became pretty clear is is that statistics and, and actual usage data, or you know, any kind of um, um, you know real information about uh, what the project was and how it's going to be designed, and and cycling in general. Um, it, it doesn't seem to matter. People just seem to have their preconceived notions of who a cyclist is and why people ride. And there's this artificial notion of, uh, you know, a conflict between cyclists and drivers. And it's, it's really frustrating. I thought we had moved past that as a city. I mean, I'm not a cyclist. I, you know, it is, it's kind of bizarre that I end up taking the role of advocating for cycling infrastructure. I don't own a bike. I don't ride a bike. I don't even like riding a bike. Um, but the, you can see there's a tangible benefit to having cycling infrastructure in any modern livable city, and it has to be safe. So some of the arguments against uh, you know, investing in any cycling infrastructure came up as, well, riding a bike in Hamilton's too dangerous, so we shouldn't invest in bike lanes. Or, well, nobody uses bike lanes, so we shouldn't build any cycling infrastructure. And you know, those are total 180 circular logical arguments that don't make any sense. And it, it, it just becomes really frustrating when, you know, in my ward, in Ward 8, I see at Mohawk College the bike racks, which are used really well. But we have complaints about parking and speeding in that neighborhood, which is often attributed to students. But there's no bike lane on, on Fennel Avenue. So if we build that safe, safe cycling infrastructure for those short local trips, which is really what we're trying to encourage is in short neighborhood local trips where people jump on a bike instead of getting in their car um, to go to the store, to visit a friend's house, to go to school. Um, so back to the Mohawk College example, if there's more students that were riding their bikes to Mohawk College, it would reduce the speeding and, uh, and the parking issues in the neighborhood. And again, as a driver, I hate having cyclists on the road with me. It drives me crazy because they're unpredictable. You don't know where they're going to go. I want them to be in their own dedicated bike lane that's away from me when I'm driving so I know what they're going to do, where they're going to go. But in order to encourage that, we have to have safe, connected options for cyclists to choose. And right now, it seems like there's an active um, you know, resistance to that. Well, and, and I'm surprised that it's as, as active as it still is, because <clears throat> I think these arguments have already been done. And and by the way, the, the safety issue, there's a couple of points about that, because we've talked about this in the past. Uh, maybe that's because the city doesn't put the money into the infrastructure that they really should to. I mean, in, in my neighborhood up in Ancaster, on Golf Links Road, I mean, the, the bike lane, and I use that term advisedly, is a white line painted on the one edge of the road. I mean, that's not safe, obviously. that You're still on the road with the, the motorists. Uh, you need that dedication. You need to put something, some sort of a buffer there, as we did, by the way, when they designed these things on Charlton and Herkimer Street a few years ago. And that was a debate that raged on and is probably still raging on in some people's minds. Well, that's exactly it. Um, and again, I think it goes back to this misconception of who a cyclist is and why people would choose to ride a bike. 
I mean, my kids are cyclists when they get on their bikes to ride to their friend's house. You know, parents are cyclists when they, you know, ride to the grocery store to pick up a bag of milk. And again, there seems to be this this idea that, you know, cyclists are these spandex-clad, you know, road warriors that are going to ride triathlons or something like that. But from a transportation perspective and from a city Hamilton perspective, it's the short local trips. And we know that the people that if we if we truly want to get people to choose to cycle um, in a local setting instead of getting in the car, that we need to provide safe options, because that is by far the largest group of cyclists that are they're hesitant, that don't want to ride in traffic. And, you know, it's it's so frustrating if you're in a bike lane that all of a sudden, like the one on Hunter, that all of a sudden just stops. And then what do you do? You end up having to ride in traffic. And that is the barrier to so many cyclists in Hamilton and why we haven't seen a much bigger modal shift to cycling. Now, because I'm in the same boat as you are, John Paul. I mean, I, I don't have any, any you know, anything to do with this. I'm, I, I don't have any money in this. And I don't cycle. Uh, never have. Uh, I'm, I'm a, a, a car driver, and, and I'm, but I still maintain that there's a, there's a reason why we need to do this, and it's, it's part of being a 21st century city, and, and Hamilton's got to play catch-up, as a matter of fact, as opposed to some of the other people. But there is one concern, and I've been supportive of, of just about every one of these projects as they've come along. I think they all make sense in, in the grander scheme of things. But you're right in front of a GO station. Uh, and we've encouraged people to start using go trains as opposed to getting on the highway every day. And a lot of people are starting to pick up on that now because of some of the increased service. But if you've ever been around that go station at about six thirty, seven o'clock in the morning or about four thirty, five o'clock in the afternoon, there are taxis lined up there for people getting off those buses that need to get someplace else. Now, I know there's public transit, but you and I both know that an awful lot of those people that live in other areas take their cars down there or get dropped off. The bike lane is going to be on the left side of the road, which essentially is going to, I guess, get rid of all of that. That Where are the taxis going to go? Where are the people going to go? Because we are stuck here in Hamilton, and it's not our fault. It's, it's the province of Ontario's fault, with probably the only GO station in the province that doesn't have a parking lot. No, and I, I think those are very, very legitimate concerns. They were, you know, were raised by a number of councillors. And I think if the debate would have focused on the particular concerns with this bike lane in terms of that it is very important to have pick up and drop off at the go station. We do know that it is a very busy area in the mornings and and, in the rush hour in the afternoons. If if those were the concerns, um, I think that's something that we could have worked through. But the fact that just an information report was voted down at Public Works, which doesn't actually change anything because the actual project is still approved, um, it, it just felt very vindictive, bizarre. Um, I, you know, I don't even know the words to describe it. And it, it doesn't, it didn't serve to help address those legitimate concerns that, that you've raised and that other councillors have raised about this particular project. Instead, it just snowballed into, um, you know, kind of a, this, this weird discussion about cycling in general. Well, and that happens all too often at City Council, and I know you've had that discussion in the past with us as, as well. Uh, the too too many times the debates uh, start to devolve into, into philosophical issues and philosophical uh, rants as opposed to dealing with the issue. There is an issue with how to handle the people that want to use that go station. Just limit it to that instead of this philosophical thing about we shouldn't have any bike lanes at all because nobody uses them. That's exactly it, and and it was it was really interesting because. Cycle Hamilton also presented at this particular public works meeting 
um, on the information report about our investment in cycling infrastructure and why there's so many projects in 2019 that weren't delivered and that have been bumped to 2020. And they wanted to know, and, and a legitimate ask was, what are some of the barriers to implementing cycling infrastructure in Hamilton? Um, so they came they came to Public Works to ask that question, and they were treated to uh, you know a, a living color example of what the barriers to cycling infrastructure are, and it's it's political will. It's so hard to send our staff out who are professionals who really know what they're doing. Um, and give them a task to do and tell them to, you know, we want to encourage cycling, we want to build cycling infrastructure, we want to make driving safer by getting cycling off the road, we want to get make driving faster by getting more cars off the road. So we, we send them out with this task, but, you know, if there's no real political will to actually follow through and implement the things that we ask them to do, I mean, that's the barrier. It's the political will. There's a benefit here, and again, like I say, I don't have any skin in this because I'm I'm not a cyclist. I am a motorist, but they, you know, if I wanted to be totally selfish about it, and some people in this community are, some people on the council are, uh, the fewer motorists there are, the better it is for me as a motorist. If they're taking their bike instead, that's going to ease traffic congestion. So I mean, this can be a win-win situation. But but there's got to be, I, I think, at least an understanding by by your council colleagues here that this is already done. I mean, you know, the ship has sailed. This is what we're doing. Uh, now the only question is, how do we deal with some of the problems that might occur in some of these areas, such as the the GO station itself? Uh, I, I can remember when they put these on Dundurn a few years ago, and there was a, a business owner on one of the streets who was very upset about the way that was going because he didn't think his, his concerns were being addressed. Staff finally went and talked to the guy. He says, okay, I'm good with it now. You've got a plan. I didn't know that. So communication's got to be part of the, the, the solution here. Every single you know, cycling infrastructure, bike lane, whatever we do, always has individual um, concerns and issues that are specific to that project. And those concerns and issues need to be addressed every time, no question about it. In the case of the Hunter Street bike lane, staff had done, I think it was close to two years of public consultation, talking to commuters, talking to people who are actually using Go Transit, asking them, you know, would you support cycling infrastructure? Would you ride your bike here? The support was overwhelming in favor of it. Now, when we are going to go and, you know, implement a cycling, something that's new that supports a shift to cycling, we can't go backwards and have this debate about this, you know, the validity of cycling in general. It, it, we need to address those specific issues to each project. And, you know, we're, I think we're really doing a disservice to our residents when we get rewound into the overall debate about cycling. As you said, all major modern cities in the world are making a major investment in cycling infrastructure because they see the social and the, the economic benefits of it. And it's, it's, overwhelmingly what people want in their communities. So, you know, it takes away from addressing those specific points that are specific to each project if we have have to have, you know, the whole debate about cycling every single time there's even just a three block, you know, minor cycle track that's that's going to be installed. Uh, not the shining moment that uh, council was looking for, I guess, at the meeting yesterday. We'll see what happens uh, when the whole council deals with this. Uh, John Paul, as always, thanks for the time today. Great talking with you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. John Paul Danko, of course, the counselor for Ward 8. You're listening to the Bill Kelly Show podcast on 900 CHML. One of the other contentious items, uh, quite aside from uh, bike lanes, 
is uh, what to do about a new arena for this city. Uh, this has been kicked around for years and years. And Well, you've heard from most of the principals involved in this. Of course, Michael Andlar, the owner of the Bulldogs, has been on this program many times. And we now know, of course, that uh, he started a discussion some time ago about uh, building an arena in Lime Ridge Mall. And uh, this was in concert, by the way, with Cadillac Fairview, the people that own that property. And uh, they're going to kick in money. Michael Andelar is going to kick in money. There's going to be a massive redevelopment uh, with uh, condo and commercial development up in that area, plus an arena. And uh, it sounded like a decent idea. Uh, City Council at the time that he made the presentation uh, didn't seem to warm up to it. But uh, we were told that in a closed-door session that uh, councillors had some very serious concerns about staff and uh, the way they, they cobbled some numbers together to, to try to make this look like a pretty bad decision. They, 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 here's the thing. I mean, there's, there are two camps here. There are some people that just want an arena downtown, and that's all there is to it. It's going to be downtown or not at all, and others that want to be open-minded about this. Well, staff have come up with another report that council is going to be dealing with that basically says, forget about Lime Ridge Mall. It's just not practical, and that's uh, caused a great deal of concern. You may have seen the open letter that uh, Michael Landlar put in the Hamilton Spectator last week basically thanking the Bulldog fans for sticking close and, uh, you know, they're going to deal with and going to do what they have to do here, which didn't sound awfully encouraging to those of us that want to see this team not only stay here but to prosper here as well. Uh, this whole area, uh, Lime Ridge Mall, of course, is in Ward 7 on the Central Mountain. The city council for that area is Esther Paul. She joins us here on the Bill Kelly Show to give us her take on this. Esther, thank you for the time. Good to have you with us today. Happy New Year. Uh, thank you. Like uh, Also to you and everyone, Happy New Year. Esther, look, I, I've had discussions with Mr. Adler. I've talked with some people on, uh, obviously, city council, but even some staff members. Uh, I was under the impression that after the the closed-door meeting you guys had a few weeks ago, that there was at least some consensus that, yeah, let's put this thing together and see if we can make it work because there doesn't seem to be any proposals here. With that in mind, were you surprised at the staff recommendation that you're going to be dealing with? Oh, I'm very surprised. Uh, I read it a couple of times, and uh, I feel a bill that is one-sided argument, as you have always planned. Uh, the city has always planned to have it downtown only. So when they looked at it, they looked at it in the lens of only downtown. And uh, there's a lot of issues that I'm going to bring up about uh, their statements that are making in this proposal. It seems to me, and, and this sounds very much, and I know people hate the analogy of the stadium debate, but the, the, you know, the similarities here are, are, are so glaring uh, that it seems to me as if there's some staff people in, the, in this community, and, and these are different people than the ones that were there from the stadium. Many of them are, are, are new faces that weren't in those positions before. But they seem to work backwards. They seem to say, look, we want to justify the stadium here, and just like they're doing here. We want to justify the arena here. And then they work backwards to try to justify that. Exactly. Like, uh, you know, they use words like um, in, uh, for the scenario about uh, uh, money, uh, or if it's uh, likely, it said, how can we make comments like unlikely to provide savings? They said there's no savings made on the mountain. But they use words like unlikely to provide savings. Show us. Don't use words like unlikely. You know, because I don't think they've done their due diligence. I don't think they have looked at it closely because their idea is downtown only, and that's it. How many people are lined up to invest in a downtown arena? Uh, I, uh, how many people are investing downtown, no. did you ask? What was in, in an arena? Yeah. Is there even a proposal for an arena downtown? Well, that's what I'm saying. We don't know. The proposal is that we're supposed to either fix or tear it down and go somewhere else. But with the Ernest Young proposal was we need a tenant. 
And if we need a tenant, then we have to sit down with Michael and Lauer and find out where he thinks is best suited. So uh, I think uh, they are just not looking at it. They just wanted to piece them. They just wanted to make sure uh, he's, uh, uh, okay, we looked at it. Now come our way. Come downtown. That's where we're going to have it. But I want to get some clarification on something, Esther, because I know that some of the, uh, the, the staff that wrote this report and some of the people that are going to be supportive of this are, are hanging their hats on that Earth Young report. If, if, as I understand this, and I, I want to get your, your read on this, mm-hmm. Ernst Young was told to do a report about an arena downtown. They didn't say where in Hamilton should it go. So they worked simply within that criteria. So to suggest that the, the end result there was it has to go downtown is, is a little misleading because city council gave them that direction in the first place. That's right. And that's, that's where we're at. The Ernest Young looked at building arena only downtown. If they had done uh, looked at other places, then we would have uh, had a better disability study uh, where it should go. Because they're saying, uh, you know, um, everything has to be downtown, not up the mountain. Uh, we we need a ten thousand, and you know, seats. And uh, Michael Hanlaw only wants six thousand. I want to tell you that in St. Catharines, the Elton John played on the Mediterranean Center, and it was a 6,000 seat. And it is not the quality of uh, the venue. The, it's the quality of the venue, not the size. So that even, um, you know, uh, doesn't make sense. And, you know, Michael Anlauer said, if you want a 10,000, we'll build uh, uh, 10,000 with CF Limeridge. So there's a lot of things that uh, disappoints me on the report. And uh, I'm uh, just looking at every uh, point that they listed. And another thing, you know, to build um, the parking lot, you know, they had an opportunity to get the federal and the province involved with Metrolink to do it. And they didn't even look at it. They said, you know, it wasn't uh, feasible for them to pursue that. We need busing. We need BRT on the mountain. We need people on the mountain to be moving as well. And uh, that disappointed me as well because uh, they inflated the figures. You know, they went from 30,000 a seat to 37,000. And that was their opinion. So I like to see those figures. There's some things that we need to address here, and and I've been supportive of downtown revitalization on, on a lot of these projects. We just talked about bike lanes, and I, I know your feelings on that. I don't want to go down there again. <laughs> but 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 this idea that that the councilors that are supportive of the staff report are saying, well, this is because we we want <clears throat> we envision a, a, an entertainment cluster downtown. We already have one. That's we already right. have a convention center. Right. We already have a, a, a concert hall. We already have an arena all within a block of each other. And that was 40 years ago. It doesn't work the way that these guys are saying it's going to. Right. You know, that built. So, I mean, how many times are we going to do the same thing? I expect a different result. Exactly. And the thing is, why we will build a, a, you know, um, a convention center, they don't need the arena there. The arena could be on the mountain and have some entertainment on the mountain as well. And, you know, with the, and, you know, CF Limeridge, after 20 years, you know, that belongs to the city. It would be great, you know, uh, to have something on the mountain for everyone to enjoy some entertainment. You know, and they, they put uh, things like, oh, there's not enough hotels. And I think... It's honestly, Bill, 10 minutes 
they're building more hotels on the mountain. That's what they want to do. But it's 10 minutes to come down and use other hotels. It's not that far. We're not a suburb place. We're not out in the boonies. We are part of Hamilton. We need. We have every right to fight for the arena on the mountain. And the things that really upset me the most was how they strung him along for four years saying, give us the proposal. We will look at it. Give us away. And all the intention was, we're going to build it downtown anyways. But you do your work and bring it. The last year that I've been on council, I had three meetings saying, with staff and with Michael Andler and CF Limerick, and it said, give us the proposal. We'll look it up and look at it. And they never, they did look at it, but with the idea that it's going to be downtown. That's how they looked at it. Uh, I, I mean, the arguments that they're putting forth here are pretty bogus. I mean, there aren't yes. enough hotels. Uh, well, the yeah. Sea Hotel's up there, right at Carmen's. There's another one over on Upper, Upper James, James, of course, that yeah. they can go to. Right. Uh, and be, uh, and besides, what's the problem? I mean, you know, the, we've got more hotels downtown. That's wonderful. But if there's no venue and if there's no major tenant, what difference does it make? Let's that's build an right. arena and leave it dark 300 days of the year. It sounds like a pretty dumb idea. Right. And don't, and also, if my timeline were leaves, who, why do we build an arena? Doesn't he have the rights? And if anybody else can come in? Yeah, that's an interesting point. And because I know that some people on council and some of your colleagues here, uh, Esther, are saying, like, if he leaves, he leaves. Uh, you know, we're Hamilton. We can't attract another franchise. Michael Andelar owns the rights in this community. Exactly. And, and, and that's not just Hamilton. That's Hamilton, Burlington, Brantford, exactly. all of those, because there's some territorial aspects that the Ontario Hockey League respects. Uh, right. So if Michael decides to move to another place, and, and I hope that doesn't happen, right. uh, he still has territorial rights here. So this is this is like Hamilton wanting to get in the NHL already and having to deal with Buffalo and Toronto. It's right. not going to happen. The, hey, Michael right. Andelar is the guy, and if they don't want to deal with him, then they don't want hockey in Hamilton. And we don't want hockey in Hamilton. And also, how do we bi- uh, uh, treat our business people? Uh, somebody wants to invest money in Hamilton, and they say, oh, yeah, you can, but it only has to be downtown. Here we have a businessman. Here we have Limeridge Mall, you know, saying we are business people, and we would like to to invest money, $30 million, you know, and you and Lyman is giving us the land. And we're saying, oh, no, no, uh, only downtown. If you want to invest downtown, you're welcome in the city of Hamilton. If you want to uh, invest somewhere else, please don't come forward. And that's what disappoints me the most. And as I read it, you know, I tried. I, um, this is my first year on council, and I'm trying hard. And, you know, I know there's no appetite. I know when I talked to a few of the other counselors, there's no appetite even to look at it. They looked at it because they thought, oh, okay, we have to. And that saddens me the most. Who's driving this this right now, this initiative that it's got to be downtown or nowhere else? Well, there's the staff, and there's counselors that have been uh, here for a long time, and that they've been talking about it. We all know the First Ontario um, needs to be revamped, it's going to cost us millions to fix it. And to tear it down and rebuild, it's going to cost us millions again. So whatever they decide to do, and if they have to buy land. So that's their focus. They don't want to have another stadium problem. Where's it going to build? They want to just focus on one area so it's easier for them. Here it is. We said it. We said it four years ago, and we're going to stick 
to it. And that's the problem. Sometimes it's hard to change. Sometimes it's easier to stay status quo and say this is it. But the sad thing for me is, is the way we are treating Michael and Lowers. He was there October 2nd, I think, and talked for three hours. And I really felt bad for him because I know we were hearing what he was saying, but we weren't seeing where it should be. We knew, most people knew that it's going to be down the mountain. It's not going to be up on uh, Lime Ridge, so you could talk all you want. And that's what saddened me the most. And now they come with this uh, uh, feasibility uh, with all these points, and they don't make sense. They use words like unlikely to provide. Well, yeah, let let me ask you about that. Let me ask you about that, because they Mm -hmm. talk about this in the report that said that they couldn't get a firm uh, date and they couldn't get firm commitments from uh, CF uh, Lime Ridge as to when they were going to do their commercial aspects. Uh, They have no firm commitments from anybody, anywhere. Exactly. There are no commitments downtown from nobody. Nobody's opened their checkbook down there. Not CF really. Lime Ridge has done that. And, right. of course, they're going to say, well, you know, there's logistics that have to be there. But they're in the game. They've made a commitment. I mean, I've seen the drawings and drawings. Anybody can do drawings. Mm-hmm. But they obviously want to redevelop this. I mean, we all know that shopping malls are, are, are pressured right now because they're not as busy as they used to be. So they want to add commercial to this. I mean, this was this was an initiative not from the city but from Mr. Andalar and from CF Fer- Lime Ridge to do this. I mean, they're they're driving the bus here. They're the ones that want to make this happen. Exactly. And, and all you guys really need to do is okay it and sit back. And obviously, there's, there's going to be a, a win-win situation here. But your counselors seem to be very, very short-sighted about this. And also, yes, sir, I believe so. You know why? Because tax base. Think about it. Think about the mountain. Think about Lime Ridge Mall, the highest taxpayer. We're going to build all this. All the taxes are going to come in. We have to spread the wealth here. We can't put everything downtown. We have to spread the entertainment. We have to, you know, there's so many families on the mountain that have emailed me. Oh, it would be a dream come true to go to Lime Ridge to, you know, to see a hockey game. Uh, they would go all the time. But, you know, it, it isn't convenient coming downtown. There's no parking. It, it's just not the right place. And a 6,000 or maybe 7,000, even 10,000 seat up in line, it would be just unbelievable, all the tax base that will come in from that. All the jobs as well. They're saying there more jobs are going to be downtown. Well, listen, let's do some jobs, some great jobs up uh, on the mountain. Let's pull for the mountain and let's be a one city for all, not just in one area. And that's what disappoints me the most. Honestly, uh, Bill, I sit sometimes at council and I feel like, okay, they're not talking about the mountain. They're not talking about anything that's going on up there. Everything is downtown. And, uh, and I want to say something. I, I, the most disappointing thing about this report is they have no figures. They have no figures what the um, the amount of money that we're going to be receiving, the economy that's going to happen on the mountain. They're just saying it might, it might not. And I don't like those kind of reports. Either it does bring, um, there is a, a study to say, yes, up on the mountain there's going to be so much better, or it's not. You know, they do not use words uh, that uh, make any sense in this report. All right, let me ask you something. You've been dealing with Mr. Andlar. You've been dealing with Cadillac Fairview. Uh, if if this is the decision the council makes to basically say, okay, forget about Lime Ridge. We don't know. We we, we don't want to go there. What, what's going to happen? 
I mean, how many more times are they going to kick Mr. Andlar in the in the you know in the rear end and simply think, oh, he'll he'll get back up? At some point, I know there are options, and I know for a fact that there are other communities that are saying, look, at if if you, you know you get frustrated with these guys, uh, here's our number. They're not poaching, but they're simply saying if Hamlin's going to be like this again, uh, he's looking at other options, and, and there's a very real possibility. That, uh, that there could be a change of venue. There's also a real possibility that Cadillac Fairview, who is the largest taxpayer in this community, mm-hmm. may decide, you know what, maybe it's time for us to pull up stakes, too. I'm not suggesting that's that's imminent, but, you know, this, you can't be like this and you can't treat potential investors like this time and time and time again and yes. expect that you're going to get positive results. Eventually, people are going to say, I'm tired of trying to do business with you. Exactly, and that's what worries me the most. If Lime Ridge ever sold it, and uh, a third party came in, and it's not a, a standard A mall or B, we are in big trouble. We really are. Uh, so we want to make sure our investors, all our investors, when they want to invest money, they could invest anywhere in our city, not just downtown. And I'm afraid that Mr. Anlauer will leave. Uh, and, you know, people say, oh, he's threatening us. No, he's not. He has worked with this. He's been here, what, 16 years? He's worked with the city for 16 years. He's put his own money into that that, that money pit money. down, uh, of course, at, at First Ontario Centre. Exactly. Uh, he's, he's, he's worked with the city. Uh, right. He complied with the request, we're told, yes. by the mayor to, to, to not talk about this during the last yes. municipal election. I mean, he's, he's been as, as helpful and, as he can in situations right. like this. And he has. And you know what? Some of the council, oh, it's an unsolicited proposal. We didn't know anything about it. Are you kidding me? I, believe, I sat down three times this year, and that's all I heard, even from the staff. Oh, yes, you haven't uh, sent a proposal. How can we look at it? And then he decides to do it, and then they just say, well, it's not good enough. But the proposal, I keep reading, and they're so it's so wishy-washy. It's unbelievable. I really, I'm not pleased with it at all. So, but you know what? I could fight, but you know, it, it's up to all council, and I hope all council decide to read it again and say, hey, maybe we should look at it better in a, in a uh, different lens. Well, and, you know something? I, I, we got to go. We're almost out yeah. of time here. Uh, I, I can give you some historical prefer, uh, reference to this as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the old Hamilton Forum Barton Street was falling on its last legs, and the owners of the team, Mr. Finocchio and Mr. Caputo at the time, uh, begged the, to, to the city to, to work with them to build a new arena. And, and they got the same runaround that you're giving Mr. Andalar now. They left. They yeah. went to St. Catharines. Right. And, and we didn't get junior hockey back here for a long, long time after that. And I, I'm just hopeful that history doesn't repeat itself here. Esther, we got to go. We'll see how your yeah. colleagues deal with this later on. Thanks Thank so much you. for the time today. Thank you, Bill. Ward 7 Councillor Esther Pauls. Uh, it's council dealing with this. Well, it'll be the, the committee at first, of course, and then the council will deal with this uh, later on. You're listening to the Bill Kelly Show podcast on 900 CHML. This Sunday in Ancaster, Hyundai Hockey Driver Series uh, is hosting In Conversation with Bonnie Marner. It's a Q&A session well, with the brother of uh, Toronto Maple Leafs forward Mitch Marner, of course. Uh, she's going to share her insights on raising a future pro athlete and some first-hand experiences of being a parent to a kid that just loves the game. Uh, and she joins us right now to give us a bit of a preview as to what's going on. Uh, Bonnie Marner, welcome to the program. Great to have you with us today. 
Hi, thank you so much for having me. Well, looking forward to this. This is a, this is a kind of a, a, a interesting twist on this. Uh, we've all heard the phrase "hockey mums." I mean, you've lived that for the last little while. Uh, it's it's got to be first of all, I guess, very very gratifying to see that uh, the dedication that that your family uh, and Mitch, of course, head toward the game has paid off in such a big way for him. Yeah, he um, he's just always loved the game, and and we've never had to ever ever force him to go. He just is he's usually the first one. It's like taking. Uh, you know, taking the dog out for a walk. He's right at the door, and he's always in the car first and uh, ready to go. Yeah, it's, it's it's exciting. When did he start getting an interest in the game? Oh, honestly, as soon as he could walk. Yeah. Uh, our older son uh, was playing hockey. I have an older son who's 26 now. Uh, Mitch is 22. And so we would be taking Christopher to the arena, and uh, Mitch would uh, have a, a mini stick. And there's many days where me and him uh, would take a tennis ball with a mini stick over the element on the stove, and we'd be like putting the curb on the mini <laughs> stick. Cause he, and we'd pack up a, a bag for Chris to go to the game with, and we'd pack up a bag for Mitchell because he'd have this whole uh, little mini stick organized game going on in the in the stands. So they'd have hockey instead of hockey a vest for for the for the mini sticks. It was a baseball back catchers thing, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Every yeah. every kid that puts skates on and, and starts to play, I mean, probably at some point, Bonnie has this vision that, you know, I'm going to be a star. I'm going to make it in the big time. I'm going to be – very few get to do that. Was What yeah. period in, in Mitch's development did you guys think, this, he's got a shot? Um, I mean, my husband thought he was uh, had a shot at a very young age. Um, I, I, I knew he was a really good hockey player. Um, when he was playing in London, I kind of was like, you know what, I think he can do this. Um, and he had our final year in London was phenomenal. So um, probably that's when I thought was London. But I knew a lot all the way along. He, he is a pretty exceptional hockey player. I mean, we know the development, first of all, of, of Dave Anderchuk, a Hamilton guy who's, of course, now in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Uh, and, and talk to I know his mom and dad quite well. And they said that you get to a point where you say, you know what, of all the kids in this league, uh, yeah, he's, he does stand out. He's got something special going on with him. And you, they, they, at some point, they do kind of separate themselves. I mean, they're all teammates and everything, but you can tell that yeah. there's a special ability and there's a special aura almost around the guys that you figure they're, they're going to climb the ladder. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, you know, that's why this uh, Hyundai Hockey Drivers Series is, uh, is a great event because, um, you know, you get all the other um, – anybody that's got kids in hockey – uh, we're going to have this um, event on the 19th in Hamilton at the uh, Hometown Hockey Main Stage where we can talk to, um, you know, p- people who've got kids in hockey and, um, you know, whether the kids go on to be in the NHL or are playing for fun or there's always the opportunity to play for a scholarship for education, which would be phenomenal as well. That's kind of where I was always thinking with Mitch is, you know, getting an education um, but uh, to get together on that day um, on the 19th to discuss any issues p- your parents may have, whether you're a new hockey parent or, uh, you know, a veteran hockey parent, um, just open discussions to um, discover some, some secrets and, and to celebrate those uh, people behind the scenes who are driving the kids to the arenas, um, you know. So, yeah, that's what... Um, that's what we're looking. I'm looking forward to on Sunday, and and we encourage anybody that um, is in the area and wants to come out to participate for sure. Come on out. Um, it's going to be a great day. I'm sure it is. It's gonna, there's an awful lot to talk about. You just mentioned something that I think is very important uh, in this discussion with hockey parents is uh, uh, your hockey player. Uh, 
whether it's a boy or a girl, like, through the development, they have options now. I mean, it used to be the pros or bust, and any you know, other that, that was about it. And then you're just going to play beer league. But there are universities yeah. that are looking for uh, for athletes yeah. right now. I mean, as you say, this yeah. is a stepping stone for education for an awful lot of them. Uh, there's yeah. there's other parts of the world that they can go and play in. There, there's a, a yeah. number of different opportunities now, aren't there? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So. That was always what I, school's always been my forerunner for me. Um, I probably my husband was, was hockey, and, and Mitch was for sure hockey. Um, I was, you know, thinking when he was going to London that we'd go check out a few universities, and, and we did, and there was some opportunities for some scholarships. But uh, once we got into London, um, that arena is pretty spectacular. So it was hard, and it's hard to say no to that. And Mitch, honestly, he just was in love with it. And uh, there was a scholarship package there that was available to Mitch. But anyways, um, he ended up, you know, making it to the NHL. So uh, it was all good. But, yeah, <laughs> great opportunities. And a great opportunity to, um, you know, develop some, some friendships that will last a lifetime. Like Mitch has got friends that he's played with forever. And um, and that's all, you know, part of uh, the hockey. And um, so it's been good. He's been very fortunate along the way, obviously. I mean, you know, the, where he was raised in Thornhill, of course, is a hockey hotbed anyway, uh, with some great minor league programs there. And as you say, getting, yeah. getting, uh, going, playing for the London Knights, London is a hockey-mad town. Uh, you know, yeah. they turn the lights on in the arena, and people go and fill it just to see what's going to be happening there. They just love yeah, their nights. Cool. And, and it's yeah. a great atmosphere for a young player to develop, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. And yeah, you got you, you got the Hunter brothers running that franchise, and they sure know yeah, what they're talking great about. Guys. I mean, they just won. They just won the juniors, right? Yeah. Or the um, yeah, Team Canada at Christmas time. So they they know what they're doing. <laughs> so it's great, great, so great fellow. Great to have that, and you need that along the way. No matter how much talent uh, that your your child has, uh, coaching has got to be a p- key part in their development. Yes. Yeah. And again, that'll be one of the things you know. If you come out to the event on Sunday, that we'll be talking about um, is all the all the people behind the scenes, the coaches, the referees, the volunteers. Um, and you know, any questions that people have about hockey, this be a great opportunity to come out and, and field them and to have open discussions. And, um, you know, people, uh, may not know certain things about hockey where some people do. And so just a, a great opportunity to exchange, um, some ideas and maybe take home some things that might work for your family. Along the way, Bonnie, was th- was there one coach in particular that, that Mitch remembers that was maybe a, a key part of, of his development that, that really kind of put him over the, the top? Um, well, I mean, the Hunters, uh, the hunters yeah. were, were great. Um, oh, there was one coach that played for uh, with the Vaughn Kings, and he's going to knock me out for not remembering <laughs> his name, but... Um, Oh, we just spoke to him the other day too. But he was a great um, hockey coach who Mitch really, really liked a lot. Uh, I'm sorry, his name's just left my head. I, it'll come back into you as soon as you, as soon as we finish the conversation. Age. It'll come back in. That's the way it goes. I'll call you back. Yeah, <laughs> I, I remember talking a couple of years ago when Bobby Orr, when he was here in town, he was my hockey hero, and and he talked about those days in Perry Sound. He said an old NHL guy named Bucko McDonald was his, his coach, and he just seemed to put the, the whole thing in perspective for him. And you know, you need Roberto. somebody. This, the name just came to me. Ah, there you go. Roberto. There you go. <laughs> he liked. He was a good guy. He liked him a lot. Yeah. Excellent Sorry. stuff that goes along the way. What was What was he like uh, growing up? Was Was it hockey, 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 or did he have di- diverse interests? Um. So I've I've got the two boys, and um, and both of them were hockey. Uh, we crossed over into lacrosse and soccer, 
and um, they like to do, uh, well, they both played uh, rep, both of those. So it got kind of hectic on, on some days, um, <laughs> you know, driving all over the place, which, um, you know, kind of, again, brings me back to the Hyundai um, uh, hockey drivers. Uh, you're, on the, you're on the road all the time. And so this event, is like Hyundai, is made for those who drive hockey and to support the people behind the scenes and, um, uh, you know, drive them back and forth to the arenas. And, and they just they make a great car. So it's a, it's a, a good time for you in the car when you're driving to and from you know to have some conversations with your kids or to you know be taking a bunch of buddies along with them and kind of listen to what's going on in the back seat so yeah some of those long drives boy you get to you know you each other pretty well because of the conversation that goes back and forth but the dedication but i'm glad you brought that up about off-season stuff with both your boys uh because i'm talking to more and more athletes uh, hockey players especially and and they tell us how important it is to to you know, put the skates away for a little while and play another sport. Uh, because we've yeah. heard too many, and I'm sure that some of the guys Mitch played with going along the way, Bonnie, uh, that just said, you know what, I'm tired of it. I don't want to play anymore. Because it, yeah. it can get to you after a while. And and, yeah. and if you're doing something else like lacrosse or soccer, it's it's a change of, 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 of venue. It's a change of attitude. Yeah. And, and it kind of gets yeah. you out. So you're, And then you're, you know, come September again, you're ready to put the skates on and play hockey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And good exercise for the kids, you know, to get them out, get them out of the house, get away from the TV, get them away from their computers or their um, telephones and just get out and have some good old fashioned fun like you know, I used to do when I was a kid. <laughs> exactly. Before, yeah. But it's 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 fun to watch and and to hear the stories of how these guys develop over the, over the years through their careers and some of the people that influence them and and I want to shine the light on on you and your husband just a little bit here too because none of this happens uh, and and the athletes I've talked to and we've had the opportunity to do that many times uh, it, they always go back to mom and dad because the, you know this wouldn't have happened without your dedication as well I mean it's one thing to say Mitch always wanted to play. He had to get there, <laughs> uh, yeah. and 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 yeah. that, that's where mom and dad come in. And like you say, when you start playing on rep teams, you're going all over the place. I mean, the weekends are, are hockey, hockey, hockey all through the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, you know, and the kids look up to you as their parents to lead by example, and and um, uh, and so that's again the hockey, um, the Hyundai Hockey Driver Series is to su- celebrate and to support all the people behind the scenes and the drivers, you know, and the grandparents that come out and stuff. So um, it's uh, it's a lot, but you know what? The kids, my boys loved it. And so um, I just thought you will do this as long as they love it. And um, my oldest son, I think he played to about 14 or so. Uh, and obviously my older son is still playing. So um, hockey is ingrained in our, in our family what? social function all the time. Yeah, but you, because of all the benefits, and you guys saw that firsthand with your two boys. Uh, there's the camaraderie. There's the you know the the teamwork. The we're learning to work with others and to respect others' yeah, abilities sure. and things of this nature. Yeah. it's 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 yeah. fun, sure is. But there's a lot of a lot of life lessons playing hockey, isn't there? Yeah, 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 absolutely. It's it's um you know um it it teaches them to like for for us we're getting ready to go to the arena. It um the kids would have to manage their time, so it was like. All right, we have a game. We have to leave at uh, four o'clock, so you need to have your bag packed and out the door. Make sure all your stuff is there. There's been a couple times where I've got to the arena where Mitch is like, "Yes, yeah, so I don't have one skate," <laughs> and like literally, I'm flying home to get it, or Christopher forgot his helmet or a glove, and I'm like, "For heaven's sake!" <laughs> that's that's what's being um, a hockey it's, parent's it's, all about. Yeah, it teaches them, you know, to to interact with people. So it it, 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 it when they become adults, you know, 
not everybody you run into you maybe really, really like, but you get along with them. And, you know, other people you just love and you have no problem getting along with them, but it teaches them, I think, some good lessons. One of the other great things... And that's the kind of stuff we'll be, we'll be talking yeah, about. exactly. You know, like, uh, that we'll be discussing at the, uh, the event on Sunday um, in, on uh, Hamilton. Uh, it's got to be a real thrill for Mitch, actually, to have grown up in Thornhill. And, and I, I know he's a Leaf fan when he was a kid, but to actually, you know, play yeah. for your hometown team, that's, that's something kind of special. Yeah, I love that. He loves it. He, I don't know. I mean, it's a dream come true. And I'm so happy. I'm so happy for Mitch because he, he's worked his entire life. And, um, you know, with the support of his family and his brother, like his older brother is super proud as well. And, um, you know, he, it's, it, it's a lot. It's a lot. He's, he's spent his whole life um, working this craft and, and fine-tuning it, and, and here he is. So it's not an easy road. Well, yeah, and those are the stories that we don't always, as fans, hear about. Uh, we're just talking uh, on the off season. I know we have to go in a couple of seconds here, Bonnie, but uh, with a, a young fellow by the name of Jonathan Reese, who's, who's from Hamilton here, who plays junior hockey in Sarnia, got drafted by the Carolina Hurricanes and, and went to their camp. And I asked him, "What's your daily routine like?" Uh, and if oh. you're not on the ice, you're in the gym. I mean, this is this yeah. is this is a twenty four seven, twelve months of the year in, uh, endeavor, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then and then if you're not on the ice or at the gym, you're flying to your next. Game. Yeah, yeah, that's it too. Uh, you know, and you're rolling in at two in the morning, and you're checking into a hotel, and you're getting up at you know nine o'clock to or ten o'clock, whatever it is, to skate, and then maybe play a game, and then right back onto an airplane again. These boys have got a real, you know, real job ahead of them. It's not uh, just glamorous. <laughs> well, you, and and parents and hockey fans can learn all about this uh, this coming Sunday, 1 o'clock and 4 o'clock. It's at the uh, uh, Morgan Firestone Arena. That's, of course, on Jerseyville Road in Ancaster. And uh, it's all part of the hometown hockey. You're going to be on the main stage there. Bonnie, thanks for sharing yeah. some of your stories with us today. And I know it's going to be a, an overwhelming success on Sunday. Thanks again for this. Yeah, thank you so much. And yeah, anybody who's available and wants to come out, uh, please come on out. We'd love to have you out and uh, and talk with you or see you. And it's a free event, so I think it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, I think it will, too. Thanks again, Bonnie. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You, too. Bonnie Marner, of course, the uh, the mother of uh, Superstar, I think we can safely say, if you watch the guy play lately, uh, Mitch Marner, the Toronto Maple Leafs. And she's going to be at the Morgan Firestone Arena as part of the hometown hockey. That's going to be on uh, Sunday afternoon at uh, Morgan Firestone. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML. The Bill Kelly Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. You can also listen to The Bill Kelly Show weekdays from 9 till noon on 900 CHML. I'm Bill Kelly. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free, so you never miss an episode. And make sure that you rate and review.